open your copy of the Word of God to Matthew chapter 11. And it has already been read in your hearing verses 1 through 6. And I just want to pick up in verse 7. Secret place. Oh. Verse 7 of chapter 11, we read. And they departed, as they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitude concerning John, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind. But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in the king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet, for this is he who is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of a woman, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he is the least in the kingdom of heaven. He who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he, and from the day of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Father, we thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. We could have preached an entire message around verse, verse 11. The kingdom of God is taken by force. Verse 12. And uh, suffers violence. The violent take it by force. The violent take it by force. But that is not where our focus is going to be this morning. Amen? In fact, our focus is going to be taken from the entire section, beginning in verse 2 through verse 19, and we're not going to read all these verses in your hearing. But uh, I wonder if you've ever had this experience like I recently had. It was during one of our marathon weekly staff meeting, team meetings, starts at 9 a.m. It's not over until 1. And we had an opportunity for each person in the group that was part of the team to share about something significant that was going on in their lives and what it meant to them. And as each person was sharing in the room, I started to think about how I found myself in that room. And I remembered that 15 years ago, I interviewed to become a hospice chaplain when I really didn't know what hospice was. And there was a woman who was the director of the Newark branch of the hospice that I ultimately got hired to work for, 
who not only recognized something in, in me that I didn't see at that time, but over the many years that I've known this woman, uh, she has had a powerful impact, not only on my life, but on my family's life. So I decided that I would, while the ladies were sharing, I would shoot her a text. You know how technologically savvy I am. So I shoot this former CEO a text just to say, thank you. And I mean, it was said in such an exquisite way, I, I, I felt inspired. Uh, and then, to my surprise, I got an instant response. So timely, needed to hear this. Isn't it, isn't it incredible how things work? And so that one text led to a second, and then we're going back and forth. And now this thing is becoming like long-winded. I said, wait a minute, I was just trying to say thank you, not to get into. And then I uh, reminded her, um, I said, do you remember the night you sent me out to uh, Lum's Pond at 10 o'clock at night looking for a client with a flashlight? And I went. And the person on the other end responded, I'm not sure when that happened. And now I'm feeling a little curious because this is something that the person who sent me would have never forgotten. And then I asked for a little more detail, and she said, well, I did work for the same hospice, but I am not the director. <laughs> And uh, we do know each other, and we happen to have, the director and I have the same name, and so now I'm totally and utterly embarrassed. So she said, I, I know these words weren't really meant for me, but I was going through something, and your words were very timely. And I responded, my words were meant for someone else, but God intended them for you. Tell somebody, go with the flow. <laughs> go with the flow. When life serves you lemons, make lemonade. Go with the flow. When things don't go exactly how you planned them, it rains on your special day, and the event is outside, and you already paid your deposit, and you ain't getting your money back. Go with the flow. In Matthew 11, verses 2 through 19, we meet a man whose life seemed to be going perfectly according to script. Everything changed, though, when he found himself on the wrong side of the law for doing right. Listen to verses 1 and 2 
in the book of Matthew chapter 11. And when John, actually verse 2, it says, And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples, and he said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? John's world had been turned upside down. He had been going with the flow in Jesus' name. But now he finds himself locked in a dreary, cold, dark, isolated dungeon for telling the truth. Now, I want to consider with you three things, and the first of the three things is I want to look at John the Baptist's resume. What was his resume? What was a part of John's life that we would say today, if there was someone who would be most likely to succeed, the who's who among John's day, that would have described John even before he got the title Baptist, John the Baptist. You see, John's ministry was predicted by the prophets some 800 years even before he was born. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, we read, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Made reference to John the baptizer. His birth was miraculous in Luke chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayers have been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. So his birth was miraculous because both Zacharias and Elizabeth were beyond child-reproducing age. And Zacharias reminded the angel that he was old and that his wife was beyond that season in her life. John was raised by a father who was a priest and a mother who was a believer. He was raised by parents who knew the Lord, who knew the Word, whose father was in full-time ministry. He was one of those who we would say that would be most likely to succeed. He was going with the flow. It was John who preached Jesus' installation service. Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. I am not worthy. He may have went into his house. I'm not worthy to unloose the straps on his sandals. But here he is. As Jesus is giving permission for John to baptize him, he says, I'm not worthy, but Christ suffered it to be so. And as Jesus is being dipped into the water through immersion, the, the heavens open, the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus in the form of a dove, and the very voice of God declared, this is my son who I am well pleased, John the baptizer was going with the flow. It couldn't have been better. 
He had a successful wilderness ministry with a very restrictive wardrobe. He wore garments made out of camel's hair. And his diet was not mac and cheese and, 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 and ribs, but he ate honey and, and locusts. So he wouldn't have gone to some of the places that we would eat. But thousands came out to the wilderness, not only to hear John the baptizer who was preparing the way for the Lord to make straight, he preached repentance and thousands not only were baptized, but they repented and returned to the Lord. He had a very successful ministry. He was going with the flow. He practiced a lifestyle of humility. When John's disciples came after the baptism of Jesus, the ministry of Christ began to flourish and the numbers began to grow larger than John's following. And some of John's disciples came to him and said, Jesus' church is bigger than ours now. And they got more elders over there, more deacons. And did you hear their praise and worship team? And John responded, he said, he must increase. And I must decrease. He was a man who practiced humility. He was going with the flow. Jesus, in fact, referred to John as the greatest person God ever made in terms of uh, human beings. And that was true is because John voluntarily, through humility, fulfilled his ministry. How would it? At the end of your day, will God be able to say of you, as he said of John the baptizer, that the assignment that I gave to you, you completed? Are you going to be able to say as the Apostle Paul, I have finished my course. I have fought, the, 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 I fought my fight. I've fought, and I've got it reversed. I've run my race. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. We got it now, okay? Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. We'll take it the way I just left it. Amen. You, you all know what I'm talking about. And so here's the man who is in the center of the will of God, obedient to his call, enjoying a very challenging ministry, but because he understood even from the very beginning that he was called to what he was doing. John the baptizer was going with the flow. But all that changed when he spoke out against sin without respect of person or fear of consequences. When he started talking about what was going on in Herod's house, Herod was the, the, the leading politician. We would say that he was king over over, over the Judean region at this time. And he became involved with his brother's wife, Herodias. And from the scriptural standpoint, when a man is having an adulterous relationship with someone who is married to someone in, in his family, that is considered incest. And John the baptizer, unlike the other religious leaders, he stood flat foot on the word of God and he called sin sin. He did what was right, but Herod didn't like it. 
And as a result of John declaring the truth, Herod had John the Baptist arrested. You would have thought that when somebody stands for the truth, you would think that when you do what is right, when you abstain from uh, uh, fornication and, and youthful lust and you walk in obedience to the Lord, that you're going to get a 21-gun salute. It's going to be recognized as something positive. But instead, in the context of your peers, you're going to be looked at as, as weird and strange and out of touch. And so we find John the baptizer locked in jail for doing what was right. That was the day his whole life changed. Now, it's, it's cool when stuff is going right for us to walk in obedience. But what do you do when you find yourself being punished for doing what is right? When it didn't work out the way the prophet Elijah thought it should, instead of Jezebel applauding the, the prophet and saying, I finally get it. God is God, and we're going to worship him. Jezebel said, if by tomorrow at this time you aren't dead like the rest of my prophets, my name ain't Jezebel. And so Elijah said, Lord, kill me. I ain't going with the flow in no more. No more. Jonah decided to flee from the presence of the Lord rather than go with the flow. Jeremiah said, every time I turn around, when I'm getting revelation from heaven, it's about death, destruction, and judgment. Death, destruction, and judgment. Death. So he said, I, I didn't sign up for this. I, I'm tired of going to jail. I'm tired of being fed water and, 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 and bread. I, I'm tired of being held up upside down in cisterns. I, I'm tired of being beaten and ostracized. In all of the years I've been serving you, Lord, some, and some believe over 40 years, in the 40-year ministry of Jeremiah, he didn't have a single convert. Jeremiah said, Look what going with the flow has gotten me. I ain't preaching no more. I'm done with this. And, and God, just in case you don't get it, look outside of my heart. And what you're going to see is a sign that says, do not disturb. Jeremiah quit the ministry. Peter cut a man's ear off when they came to apprehend Jesus. You know, Peter was the one to say, Lord, they can all deny you and forsake you. I ain't going to deny you. I'm, I'll die for you. And he meant it. And so he pulled out his shank and he cut the brother's ear off. And then when Jesus reached down and put it back on, he said, I don't know this kind of fighting. I don't know this kind of standing. He said, I'm out of here. And so Peter decided if not being able to kill or cut or shoot was involved with what it meant to go down with somebody, he said, I ain't going with the flow. Some folks will go with the flow as long as you're, you're involved in gossiping, as long as you're involved with divisive things, as long as you can use four-letter words. They'll go with you. They're your brother. They're your sister in Jesus. Sarah and Abraham decided it's been 15 years. Abraham is, is, is 85 years old. I'm 75. The time clock is worn out, and I ain't able to have kids. And I know God said that it was going to be from your loins. Let's help God out, because if you take one step, he'll take two. God helps the child that helps himself. And there ain't nowhere in God's word. 
And so they decided not to go with God's flow and create the generational problems that we're still having in that part of the world today. 5,000 people who wanted to make Jesus king as long as he did the fish and chip thing. Jesus fed 5,000 hungry men and their greedy kids and their wives. And the Bible says that after he had taken two fish and five loads, blessed it, and, and, and more than all the folks were fed, there were 12 baskets left over. Everybody was satisfied. Now it was time to preach. And Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, what he was saying is, unless you accept the work that I'm about to do on Calvary by faith, I'm going to shed my blood. I'm going to give my body. If you're not willing to do that, you're not Worthy to be nine disciples. The Bible says at that time, 5,000 men said, come on, kids. Let's look for the next meal. <laughs> and the scripture says, from that day on, they decided that they weren't going with that flow. They weren't coming back to that church. And then Jesus turned to the 12. I really like what he did. He turned to, to, to the 12 uh, disciples, and he said to them, Will you leave too? I want you to understand, Jesus was never impressed with large crowds. In fact, he was constantly saying, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. The problem is when the Lord is really blessing you and you're growing and your life is being changed and your family's being blessed and you're experiencing the abundant life, you say, I ain't going to tell nobody, but you can't keep it to yourself. And Peter said to Jesus, when he said, there, you see the door the same way they left? You're welcome to go too. And Peter said, but where shall we go? You have the words of life. There's no better place to be. Large crowds make great thrill seekers, but horrible disciples. When things happen to us, that we feel are unfair, wrong, and they cause us pain. It's hard to go with the flow. It's hard to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God concerning you. You don't feel like giving thanks when your heart is broken, when you've been disappointed, when somebody's let you down again. How many times do you have to turn the other cheek? You've been waiting on the Lord. The Bible says if you commit your way unto him, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Abide in me and my words. Abide in you and I will. You can ask whatever you will. I've been asking. I've been abiding. I've been serving. I've been loving. I've been sharing my faith. And here I am. I'm in this dark, dreary place. I'm alone. I'm hurting. I'm in pain. That's where John was. I want you to understand that we all have a breaking point. I know the Bible says it is a, uh, uh, there's no temptation that has taken you. But that sounds good, don't it? But here you are in pain, hurting. And, uh, and you know, weeping may endure for a night. This night is long. 
and enjoy it somewhere out there. It just hasn't visited my house. Every time I turn around, there's something new that is coming that should not be happening based on what my understanding of the word is. Didn't God say if the righteous cry out, I'll hear them and I will deliver you out of all. I haven't been delivered out of my fiery furnace. I'm still in the lion's den and then gnawing away at every little piece and morsel of my body. John the Baptist had reached his breaking point as he sat in that cold dungeon for at least 18 months. And then he heard Jesus' ministry is flourishing. And while Jesus' ministry is blowing up, there's no indication in Scripture at all that Christ ever visited John in jail. Nobody posted his bell. There was no lawyer representing John. I know that John was like Paul. Paul said, I prayed three times, Lord, remove this thorn in my flesh. Lord, I don't want to remain here in prison. My ministry's dying. All the thousands of people that had followed John, they had long forgotten him now. You prayed for people to be healed as you serve the Lord, and they got healed. And here you now, you're sick. And your, your healing has not come. You still have cancer. You still have hypertension. Didn't it say by his stripes you're healed? Well, I believe that that's true, but we take that out of context. Because every one of us that's going to leave here will die from something. Paul said, I prayed three times, and the Lord didn't remove the thorn in my flesh, and I believe it was an illness. But what God did do, he says, here's the healing I'm going to give you. Will you accept it? Will you go with the flow? He said, my grace is more than enough. Somebody say enough. My grace is more than enough because my strength is perfected, not in spite of your weaknesses, but because whatever you're going through, I will give you the strength. That's the way of escape. He didn't say, I'll deliver you out of, I'll deliver you while you're still in it. I will prepare a table before you where after your enemies have left, after things have calmed down, after you feel better. No, in the presence of your enemies. Sometimes God doesn't deliver us out. You've gone to every marriage seminar and conference and listen to all the CDs and went to the classes that the pastor taught and, 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 and all of the workshops and you, you, you committed yourself to be obedient as a wife, as a husband, but she still left you for somebody else. You went with the flow. You practice obedience. Didn't the Lord say, if you follow me, I'll make your way successful if you obey you turn not to the left or from the right? Unfortunately, the way we are defining success 
is by what you drive and where you live and who you know and where you've been and, and how you feel. Are you healthy or not healthy? Then that means you're successful. But I hear the word of God teaching us that every time I do what God tells me to do, that's success. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. prosperity that we're looking for, there's some timber being sent up to heaven. And I want you to understand that God keeps good records. And one of, one of these days, the, the, what you have sent up to heaven, your reward. And so here he was. He'd helped people. Been, you know, you've, you've been a good wife, been a good husband, and now you have a divorce. You gave your tithes and your offering to the church. Even when it was beyond what you thought you should have done, but you were trusting God. And then you found yourself in a position you're laid off. You're a Christian. I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor the seed taking bread. But I don't have a house anymore because when I couldn't pay my mortgage, I went into foreclosure. I lost my house and I didn't hear nothing from the church. And now we got an issue. I'm in jail. I've been serving God. None of you ever think this way. No, you, 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 it's always good. God is good. All is God. I can't stand her. But, but God is good. And praise the Lord. John was tired. Of going with the flow. So he asked the question, are you the one? Are you really the one? Is Christianity really the only way to God? Or should I look down at the mosque? Because at least they visit their members in jail. See, sometimes what we're, what we're willing to contend for is what the Bible teaches. But when it comes to being God's hands and his eyes and his feet, the problem is not that the Bible clearly de delineates what is true. The issue is, does the word of God become flesh in us? That's how people see Jesus. We can keep on quoting scripture why people are dying around us from addiction. People being snatched up into sex trafficking all around us. Our family, our children are making horrible decisions and wrecking not only their lives, but lives for their children and generations. We got to go beyond, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Ain't he good? I know he's all right. Ain't he? And we had a good time in church. What about those who are struggling and aren't going with the flow? Are you willing to go with the flow enough to reach them? John had an impressive resume, but now nobody was thinking about John. I've seen this over and over again, and not just with pastors and preachers who spend their lives in the ministry, and they get to the end of their lives, they can't even afford a funeral. 
And, and I mean, they gave it all to everybody, but never stopped to. But they assumed that what they did for others, it would be reciprocated. It don't work like that. It should. What is the response of the body of Christ? The Bible says when one is hurting, we all should feel the pain. Oh, I hope we feel uncomfortable about that. We're too comfortable. There are people hurting all around us. And we, we can become desensitized. And so John's in jail. Jesus is, is flourishing. His ministry is taking off. And, and nobody's thinking about this man. Now, why is it hard for John the Baptist and us to go with the flow when our circumstances change? I want you to know, as you live your life, your circumstances are going to change. And the very foundation of your faith is going to be shaken to its core. It's coming. There's going to be a shaking, and it's coming. Just live. Keep getting older. And if you aren't building into that foundation now, it's going to be a problem. But let me share at least four reasons why, why it's hard for us to continue to follow the Lord and, and still be obedient when we are in this dreary place, this cold place, when things aren't working out for us. First of all, false expectations. John said, are you the one? He was implying with that question, you're not who I expected. When I got saved, I expected all my bills to be paid. When I got saved, I expected for me to have a good man. When I got saved, some people think that what was being said on TV about naming and claiming is going to happen, and when it doesn't happen, are you the one? When God does not do what we think or want him to do, it can cause us to be discouraged and angry, and our anger leads us to rebellion. Remember the story of Naaman? He was a leper. Had all the money that you could ever want, prestige. He had reputation of being this mighty general in the Syrian army. And one of the servants who'd been taken into captive, she was in captive, but her, but the, her spirit was not. She was still witnessing this, that there's a prophet in Israel. If Naaman could just hear about see the prophet, he'd be healed. And Naaman found out about the prophet in Israel. He did what? dignitaries did. He got the documentation from the king, and he got the money, and he had his entourage, and they made their way to Dothan, where the prophet Elijah lived. Elijah didn't even come to the door to greet him, and he was offended. What? I don't need Elijah to know who I am. He expected Elijah to show up. You know how we expect. We want God to bless us, but it has to be a court. He has to be this tall, this strong, this much money, this educated. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Elijah didn't come out. And then Elijah sent his servant and said, go dip in the muddy Jordan River seven times. And Naaman said, it ain't happening. I'm not dipping. This, this, this is beneath me. My 
My expectations was that you're going to greet me. I was going to be acknowledged for all of my accomplishments, and you're going to rec- and then you're going to tell me to go to the water, the place of my choice to get my healing. If it could have been your choice, you'd be healed by now. But guess what? When he did it God's way, and so false expectations can cause us to stop going with God's flow. You don't have to leave church to stop going with God's flow. You just stop reading your Bible, stop praying, stop witnessing. You're here, but you're not here. You don't want people talking bad about you. You show up at church. You're just going through the motions. Hey, yeah, yeah, stand up, sit down. And that's all it is to you. Here's another reason. Faithfulness that was unrewarded. I have been living for the Lord all this time. And look what I have for my reward. I'm in jail for telling the truth. David said it like this. He said, when I considered how the wicked are prospering, they seem to live longer, live better, have better jobs. They, they send money to get their kids to, to get accepted into college. And then when they graduate from college, they make uh, deals with people that are executives. and all. They get all the advantages. And he said, when I looked and I saw all of the injustices and then the way Christians are struggling just to make ends meet, he said, my feet almost slipped. Almost backslid, Jesus. I'm driving up in my car, and I'm in the little 25-year-old wet behind the ear, pulling up in a $75,000 car, and I'm like, something's wrong with this picture. I work so hard, and they're hardly working. Then, this is so faith, faithfulness that goes unrewarded, feelings that drown out your, the voice of faith. Your feelings, when you get up in your feelings, and this is what happens to Christians, all somebody has to do is look at you funny or not respond to the way that you, they didn't say hello, and I said, you were whispering when you said it, and you were five blocks away. How are they supposed to read your lips? I knew they didn't like me. They didn't see you. They had a migraine headache. It's not about you. But when we get up in our feelings, it drowns out the voice of faith. Caleb and Joshua said, if God said it, that settle, it's ours. Let's enter in. Let's not rebel against what God has said. And the people said, let's stone these jokers. <laughs> After they had cried all night, they got up in their feelings. And they would have killed Caleb, Joshua, Moses, and Aaron if the Lord had not shown up. These are church folks ready to stone the pastor and the elders. <laughs> We got this building. I knew it. We got this building. We couldn't afford it, and it was going to be hard. That's why, I, 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 that's why you're just like, the church is kind of like these two, two men. They're riding the bike, and they're going up this steep incline, 
And the one guy, he just, I mean, with everything he got, he's just straining. And they finally get to the top, and he nearly collapses in exhaustion. He said, man, I thought we would never make it to the top of this hill. And the second guy said, yeah, we would have fell backward if I hadn't kept my foot on the brakes. <laughs> so then you got half the church with their foot on the brakes. And the other half of the church nearly killing themselves trying to get up this mountain. If God said it, that settles it. I'm going to be obedient because thus saith the Lord. And so feelings. And here's what happens. You never get out of your feelings because it's not faith when the moment somebody does the same thing to you again, you write back into where you were. So here's what happens. When you feel happy again, for however long that lasts, you you okay with going with the flow. But that your happiness is not joy. And when you're in happiness rather than joy, happiness is based on happenstance, your circumstances, your situation. When your situation changes, now you're back in your feeling. Because it's not about God, it's about you. And when you are in your feelings, you are useless to the kingdom of God. God can't use you. You become an instrument in the hand of Satan because you're insensitive to what's going on around you. Feelings that drown out the voice of faith will keep you out of the promised land. And here's the final and the most important reason why we can't go with the flow when we're in our dark place, in our dreary place, when it's cold and we don't see a way out. Failure to understand the ways God uses to accomplish his will. And John the Baptist's wildest dreams never thought that somehow God was working all things together for his good when he's sitting up in a prison. How is all things working together when I'm lonely and I'm hurting and, 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 and I'm angry? How many of you know that all things include the bad things, what we call bad? God is behind the scenes orchestrating the circumstances and the details in your life in such a way that at the end of this, it will be for your good. But in the midst of this, I can rejoice in the Lord because the Lord is the strength of my life. The Lord is the source of my joy. In him, I find all I need. Here's what we need to understand about God's ways that are mysterious to us. Your child got sick. And before they got sick, you were sick of them. And then you got on your knees and said, Lord, would you heal my baby? Would you give him another chance? Forgive me for how I thought about the child that you say is a gift. And when God healed them, you loved them more than you ever would have. Faith isn't built on the things that you can see, but on what God has said. Faith is not built. If you can see the outcome, you're not going to get stronger in your faith. The Bible says faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the, the word of God. Faith is built on what God has said, not what you can see. Fruit that results in spiritual growth requires friction. Say friction. Count it all joy when you experience friction-diverse testing. 
For the testing of your, the friction produces what? Maturity. And so you want to grow. Oh, I want to grow, Lord. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be powerful. Okay. You're asking for friction. You're asking for testing. Fulfillment comes from following Christ rather than your personal plans. Well, I just want to know what my destiny is. I'm trying to figure out my purpose. I'm trying to figure out what I should be making as my ambitions, my 20-year plan. How about allowing your plan to be Jesus' idea? How about making it your primary goal to seek ye first the kingdom of God? And while you are seeking the kingdom of God, the Lord will reveal to you his purpose for you because there are many plans that are in our hearts, but the purposes of God, Stop pursuing your goals and your plans. Let God direct you. Seek Jesus. Seek him and you'll find yourself right in the place where you ought to be. We're almost done. We're almost done. How can you go with the flow when you're hurting and disappointed? Here's what you do. The first thing you can do is ask the hard questions. Are you the one? Or should we? That's a tough question, but God is not intimidated by our questions. In fact, he already knows what you're thinking before you say it. Are you really the Messiah? Habakkuk prayed, Lord, how long? Is this man going to be in the white? No. How long is the nation? And the church can't be silent against sin. I don't care who it is. It don't matter. If it's Barack Obama, it don't matter. We want to tell the truth, even if it means standing up against Herod. John stood up against a politician, and it cost him jail time and ultimately his head. But even in losing his head, he, we can't lose because if God is for us, and we know that he is, who can effectively? Paul says, to, for me to live is Jesus, and to die, I cannot lose. Everybody want to go to heaven, but nobody want to die to get there. You're going to die to get there unless the rapture occurs. Prophet said, how long are you going to allow violence and injustice, God? And then he ends up saying in chapter 4, the just. <laughs> so I don't understand what you're doing, God. I, I can't. I, I don't understand what you're doing with your hand, but I, I, I will trust your heart. So ask, ask the hard questions. What is it that you've been praying for and God has remained silent? What have you been waiting for God to do and he hasn't done it? Ask God. Paul says, I asked the Lord three times. Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Lord, if it be possible, he asked, let this cup pass. It's ask the hard questions, but then apply God's word. To your situation. Jesus said to John's disciples, go and tell him what you see 
and what you hear. The blind are given their sight. The lame are walking. The dead are raised. The poor are being set free by the proclamation of the gospel. That was a, that was a fulfillment of the, of the prophecy of Isaiah 61 through verse 3. And so he said, direct John. Here's how you deal with this. When you ask the question, God has an answer. Take the word and apply it to your situation. That's how Jesus answered John's question. The scriptures are being fulfilled. And so if your situation hasn't changed, the question is, if any man lacks wisdom, is God's will being accomplished in your life based on his word? Apply God's word to your situation. And then you need to accept God's will. It's one thing to apply the word and do it out of misery. It's a whole other thing to accept God's will. Here's how you accept God's will. Remember, your circumstances don't determine your value. The crowd was no longer following John. His name wasn't on the billboards anymore. But the Lord says, he is my prophet. There's none greater than John. In God's mind, nothing had changed. I don't know where you are in your circumstances in life, but nothing has changed with the Lord regarding you. Your value is determined by him. Remember, your assignment comes from God, and it will not be done until until he says it's done. You may change locations. You may change your circle, but your assignment remains the same. It may be, it may be do, being done in a different way. I'm almost done. Remember, true commitment is yours when you accept the will of God for your life. Whatever the will of God for you right now, if you accept it, you'll be content. But if you're bucking against it, if you're focusing on the dry and the cold and the damp, and nobody's calling me, nobody's, what all of the, the things that God isn't doing, what is God doing? And if you accept and appreciate, then you'll find contentment. And so we want to accept God's will. We want to apply the word of God, ask the difficult questions. And then finally, assess the temporal from an eternal perspective. Jesus asked the question in verses 16 through 19, what is this generation? They say that John is a demon. He has a demon. And they say, I'm a drunkard and a glutton because I hang with tax collectors. So from the world's perspective, when they saw Jesus and John, they just saw from the perspective of the flesh. But Jesus said, the children's witness is the testimony of who we are. In other words, there are those who are humble enough and innocent enough to recognize that this, I am a son of God, and John is a great prophet who, in fact, fulfilled Elijah's prediction that Elijah would come before Jesus came. And so when you look at your circumstances from God's perspective, the world may be saying, demon, crazy, don't, don't have nothing, never will have nothing. But God is saying, you're rich. God is saying, you're blessed. God is saying, you're highly favored. Even in your situation, look at, assess your situation, not from the temporal, but from the eternal. See it from how God is looking at your life. A woman got up 
in the morning. Stand with me. And she looked in the mirror, and she saw that she only had three hairs on her head. Three hairs on her head. And she looked and she thought, said, well, I guess I'll braid my hair today. And so she braided her hair. And she had a wonderful day. The next morning she gets up and she looks in the mirror and she only has two hairs on her head. And they said, hmm. I guess, I guess I'll part it down the middle today. And so she did, and she had a spectacular day. Third day, she gets up, and she looks in the mirror, and lo and behold, there's only one hair on her head. I guess I'll wear a ponytail today. <laughs> she gets up the next day. The cancer had taken all of her hair away. And she pondered and she thought, hmm, I have no hair. I don't have to comb my hair today. <laughs> I don't have to comb my hair today. It's all gone. Attitude is everything. And Paul says, I have learned to be content in whatever state I am. When I'm hungry, I'm content. When I'm full, I'm content. I'm content on a good day. On a bad day, I am content. If he says, I love you, if he doesn't, say, I am content. For my contentment doesn't come through human beings, but my contentment, my satisfaction, my overflowing joy, my peace in the time of trouble. comes from him. So we need to decide in whatever state you're in, I am going to go with the flow. I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God. I'm not going to be controlled by my feelings. I'm not going to be an instrument in the devil's hand. I'm not going to be swayed to the right or to the left. I am going to follow him. Go. don't have to argue. You can, you can make switch that thing up. You don't have to give in to depression and anger and bitterness. That's not God's direction. Go with the flow of the Spirit. You don't have to yield to your flesh anymore. You don't have to live in defeat. You don't have to live in guilt and shame anymore. Make a decision. It's a decision. It's not your feelings. Lord, I am going to surrender. I am going. Until you're broken, you can't really surrender. Let the Lord do his work. And you'll find yourself in your promised land. Even in a dry place. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. Father, we love you and we thank you for who you are. 